Hey everyone, and welcome <laughs> to the latest episode that... of Happiness in Humans. I, uh, or the, as the podcast previously known as Working with Humans, my name is Matt Phelan. I am co-founder of a business called The Happiness Index and the self-appointed head of Global Happiness. And I am here with the amazing Margot Slattery. How are you, Margot? I'm doing great. I love your title. <laughs> I was um, I was just saying to everyone, like Margot, on the pre-call, Margot's been helping me parent my child. Um, so I just wanted to do a shout out to everyone through lockdown that has been patient with any parents out there because Margot is very patient with me and Fred. So thanks, Margot. Ah, uh, pleasure. He's a sweetie. <laughs> where, where are you today, Margot? How are you? I'm I'm good. Firstly, I'm great. Thank you, um, Matt. And I'm in France at the moment, believe it or not. Um, I've been here for about a month and a half. I'm working here at the moment and uh, I'm sitting in my last few days of sunshine before I re- return to Ireland in the autumn. Oh, st- stunning. Um, Margot, I was, as I mentioned on the pre-call, I've, I've read your bio and I just can't do it justice. You've been up to so much amazing things. Um, so I'm actually going to ask you. But also, I love the fact that the first thing that you say in your bio is you're from Limerick. So you've clearly not forgotten where you're from, despite your achievements. So I'll let you introduce yourself, Margot. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And by the way, um, if I ever said I wasn't from Limerick, the people from Limerick wouldn't be long reminding me. Um, <laughs> so Margot Slattery, and um, I have the wonderful honour and privilege to head up diversity globally for Sodexo. Um I've been involved in the world of diversity and inclusion, I suppose, professionally for a number of years. And as, a, as an activist and somebody who's very interested in the whole area for most of my life, um, my previous role was the CEO for Sodexo in Ireland for quite a number of years. And uh, externally, I'm involved in a number of boards, particularly around diversity and inclusion and really trying to make for change. Um, I live somewhere in Ireland. I live between Dublin and Leitrim and married to Sarah and uh, I think enjoying new things and challenging myself and uh, and the world. So that's just a little bit about me, Matt. Thanks, Margot. Um, and more on you. <laughs> As you did that, everyone can't see, but Fred came up to me, asked me to wipe the chocolate off his hands. Great. Like, wipe to keep him <laughs> uh, a little bit under control, uh, which it tells everyone about how bad that I am. But um Margot, I'd, um, I'd love to, us to kick off for us to get to know you even more by asking you what makes you happy. Um, you know, I thought about this um, and listen, so many things make me happy because um, I'm one of those people when I'm sitting, you know, having a glass of wine in company and friends and just in just being in the moment, I always think I'm happy right now. I think the thing that probably resonates more than anything else is just fairness. I like to be in a fair world I live to I like to live in a fair world and and I like to see people treated fairly um and that's been that's been part of my life all of my life from the time I was a small kid to now and it's never changed what um because I ask people this question all the time and I always get a different answer right but it's often a variation of of similar themes but you're the first person to ever say that um, what, where do you think that is that something from your childhood where's that come from Margot? I think it probably has come from my childhood my parents were um, my, both my parents are now dead but they were people who in their lives um, they were both farming in, in, in a rural setting and both had lost their dads when they were quite young and they were great neighbours and friends and got on with you know they, they had a real sense of sharing things with people and I think that 
they had a sense of justice because when they had been small there they'd been very much looked after my father had been an orphan and my mom um her, she was only a year old when her dad died so for both of them they had a real sense of how good other people can treat you and what it feels like and therefore yeah. to their family they passed that on and we always had a very open door kind of house and everybody came in and you know, it wasn't talking bad about people and that kind of stuff. So that kind of resonated very much with me at a young age. No, it's absolutely fascinating, Margot. And I, the second question sort of leads on to that around Ireland. Um, yes. And it's kind of a double question. Um, sure. I'll read out the question. Um, and then Fred's just asked me for some popcorn. Oh, go popcorn. Fred, go Fred. Organic, I feel okay because it says organics on it. <laughs> um, but I, I'm sure that probably just means it's more processed. But there you go, Fred. Um, so it's the second it's the second question here which is is Ireland a happy country and it's a loaded question um and the reason it's a loaded question is because there's there's different sides of Ireland there's there's Mm. this kind of view of the the happy Irish person um but there's so many different sides to that um and there's also a stereotype there that I think we should break down a little bit um so over to you Margot is Ireland a happy country so um you know and and thank you Matt it's it is a big question I think my 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 first answer and very my you know the answer that comes to my head is I would say yes but I think that the journey to happiness has been a long one it's insecure and we've got to keep a kind of a watch on it all the time um I think you know we we've spent a lot of time as a country where we kind of almost had a fatwa of our own or, you know, we had a lot of um, we had a lot of unfairness happening, particularly around who was right, who was wrong, who was in control, who had power and and, and, and religion, etc. Um, I think we've overcome a lot. And, you know, obviously we were we were controlled by other countries, etc. But we've we found our own way as a nation. We're 100 years old, just over 100 years old as a nation. I think people are generally very happy. Um, but, you know, it's temporary. Um, COVID is affecting that. Standard of living can affect it. Immigration, all these kind of things. And and obviously just everything that affects everybody else in the world, things like depression and, and, and financial challenges and the ways of the world changing. So it's temporary. Um, we, we will try to hold, hold on to it. But uh, it's, it's, it's certainly a lot fairer and a, a better country than the one I grew up when I was a small kid. It's it's improved enormously. So sorry for the long answer. No, and and just to build on that, whilst whilst we're here, um, Shireen Daniels, for anyone who's listening, is someone that Margot and I have been working on um, on some diversity, inclusion, and equality technology. But um, if anyone wants to listen and scroll back to Shireen Daniels' episode on this podcast, she talks about the label of a strong black woman, um, and she talks about how how um, dangerous that can be um because it makes you act in a certain way that might might not actually be the person you are yeah does the sort of like the 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 happy irish drinking person is that is that a dangerous stereotype or is it is it something we can just put down as a bit of fun um i think along for, the way? i think for some irish people it is a dangerous stereotype because firstly that whole thing about alcohol and the irish can be you know has affected and alcoholism is a huge issue um, and then obviously there's a lot of people who, you know, they're a little bit like sort of, uh, you know, the, the person who looks jolly on the outside, but crying inside. So, um, I think that we can't generalize it. Having said that, I think 
our culture of pubs and 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 music and fun and and that um does revolve around a lot around alcohol um and when it's enjoyed in a safe and responsible way it's great um and as a person who enjoys a glass of wine or two um i yeah. suppose I, I enjoy it and certainly it animates and maybe the last point i'll make matt is that you know we we start off quite a lot of irish people were quite shy and we've had a drink or two we 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 lose a little bit of our inhibitions and some of that's cultural and is from our past so uh, yeah. it helps it helps loosen the tongue and make us a bit more uh, relaxed i think so listen yeah. you, you can't judge for everybody but um i'd hate yeah. to think that it it if it it was it's a label that's difficult to put on everybody i guess no and this uh, i mean let's not pull the threads together now but i think there's a huge link there between where you talk about Ireland finding its own confidence um, and its in its own happiness, and what you talk about shyness there. Um, but I've got to move us on because we've only got twenty minutes. We'll have to revisit that one, Margot. Um, Problem. Um, I know uh, the Irish government um, have been doing work on anti-racism. Um, could you just share a bit about that um, with us, Margot? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it comes back to the challenge almost a bit like the sort of one we talked about. Ireland likes to think that and, and has thought, you know, oh, we're not racist. But the truth is, of course, we're racist because everyone is racist. Every, you know, we can't we can't deny this. Um, so, you know, I think in 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 fairness to the government who has recognized its shortfalls and looks at what the country needs. And plus the fact that, you know, maybe 10, 12 percent of our population now is made from people who were born outside of Ireland. And we're, we're we 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 have, you know, different makeup, I suppose, to our ethnicity than we would have had in the past. The government has been quick to recognize we need to do something. So the government has formed an anti-racism committee. So um, advised by and advising the Minister for Justice on what we need to do, what we need to change, challenging, I suppose, some of the preconceptions and challenging the way we we govern at the moment and what we need to do differently. And I think that's really helpful, Matt, because it's not just sort of relying on the parlance. It's not sort of taking something and, and just making changes in legislation. It's actually listening and actively participating. So I think that's yeah. a very healthy start. No, it's, it's, it's good to to know it's been taken that serious. Um, and I suppose this links into another part of your, your bio, uh, the next question, which is, is, is happiness and LGBT progress linked? Well, I suppose I can personally say that I think it is because, you know, if I look at my life and I'm, I'm, I'm just over the half a century, um, you know, and certainly the first half, um, being a person who was LGBT and not being able to be out and, and, and not living in a progressive society made me um, a person who was less happy than I am now. And when I look at the other the other 25 years and when I see the changes and coming out and when I see the progress that's been made in the world, then I think it's enormously a contributor to happiness. I mean, you know, for anybody, whether it's around race, it's around your gender, whatever it may be, or your sexual orientation, when you can be yourself, when you can fully participate, you don't have to tell lies, you don't have to hide anything, you don't have to cover anything, then you're yeah. you're a happier person, a better person, and it contributes better to happiness. It's my view. No, Margaret, it's that, yeah, it's just so yeah, it's just so interesting to hear that from a personal perspective and and, and hear progress. What um what progress is there still to make though? A lot of, there's been a lot of progress as you say in that. In, in in your career where 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 are our where are the areas we need to work on at the moment 
And are you talking generally or LGBT? Uh, LG, LGBT on that, yeah. that particular Yeah, question. no, I just was double checking. Um, well, you know, I think I'm probably lucky that Ireland has made great strides, um, you know, even down to um, adoption and that sort of thing. You know, so where we were, it's made a big stride. But, you know, where we are probably still pretty poor is, and, and again, Ireland's better than some other countries, um, but, you know, around transgendered, um, around... Um, I suppose, gender, you know, full stop. I mean, and trying to put a label on somebody um, and trying to box people in um, and also being more accepting of people who are having families. So LGBT plus people are having families of their own, having kids, etc. And just accepting the family life, no matter where the orientation is, is, is just very normal. Um, and uh, I think, um, you know, understanding as we go forward that um if you were born a man and you become a woman you you and you change or if you are the other way around whatever it might be um it's understanding and supporting that so we see for instance in the uk a lot of um very negative uh, things towards people who are transgendered particularly by women and i mean that's very concerning so i would hope that ireland doesn't go that way i'm not seeing a big trend on it but um you know it concerns me have you uh, got just gone in terms of individual tips mm. because i i specifically remember the first time as a ceo when um we were having the conversation about transgender employees have you got any tips to to, to help ceos and leaders in businesses where they're having those conversations well i think that you know i always go back to um in in every fact because you know one once upon a time somebody asked me um you know how to sort of talk about things talk to somebody who's transgendered there are some amazing people out there if they're in your organization probably the best thing to do is to sit and have a chat with them if not then there's a huge amount of organizations or there's loads of advocates or listen i can put anybody in touch with some fantastic people i know and uh, have that conversation because and it is important Matt because you know the most insulting thing is to address somebody in the wrong way or come up with sort of generalizations you're much better asked the the question and even if if it feels to you like a stupid question it's better to ask it of the person and honestly say look I don't know you know it's similar for me around race um you know I'm I'm not a person of color um and if I have a question I'll ask somebody and say help me to understand help me to kind of you know understand what I might be saying wrong or doing wrong and 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 help me to be to be better in this and it's better to ask that's my view I think I know and that's the main thing I took uh, took from Shireen which is I was really worried about talking about as a white guy talking Mm. about the Black Lives Matters yeah, but it, it took Shireen to explain to me the concept of the white wall of uh, corporate silence. Yes, and she said, "I know you personally, Matt. I know you care about this, but publicly, I'm I'm hearing zero from you." Um, but it wouldn't come out. It wouldn't have come out of if if I hadn't taken like your advice there to have conversation with people. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really powerful advice. Yeah, and I think it can make for change. I certainly remember in our own organisation, you know. Our CEO in, in, in the UK, Sean Haley, and, and our exec sponsor, Chris Bray, you know, and we had many, many conversations and with our pride group. And, you know, they stood in our restaurant and held hands one day just to say the two guys hold hands. And it like it seems really small, but that was a really big gesture. But it's that sense of having a conversation and then that translating into an action. So just like you, you know, one thing leads to another and we build yeah. block by block.
That's, yeah, I, I, I love that concept of block by block as well. Um, I was I was I was reading uh, last week that um, when they were bringing in the sort of anti-slavery act, it took forty-five years mm-hmm. um, from William Wilberforce deciding on uh, to, to, to campaigning for it for for it actually to go through. Um, and I don't want certain things on this area to take forty-five years, but it does. It is it, you do have to build to make these changes, don't you? Yeah. Although, you know, I mean, when was it? Was it 54 that Rosa Parks, um, you know, and the seat on the bus? I mean, it's taking a long, long time. Yeah. And you can't yeah. say to yourself, what what do people not get? But I guess I, I would say that I think that the world's been, you know, um, reawoken on this. It's yeah. long now. It takes this 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 wakingness to, to to translate to action and that'll be that'll be the kind of the the, the litmus test i think yeah no it's so useful margot and that, yeah i mean that balance is really difficult isn't it how do we how do we make progress step by step but how do we actually speed stuff up mm. and speed it up um which i don't think any of us have an answer to um so on the next, the, the final question, um, Freddie's asking me to put the Minions movie on for him. <laughs> good, good. But I just sneaked into his room and then turned it up. You happy now, Frederick? Yeah, he's happy now, Margot. Uh, <laughs> um, last question. What do boards need to, to focus on to progress D&I within their own organisations? Well, I think um, boards need to sort of do, you know, a test for us. They need to, they need to kind of do a diagnostic and understand within their own organisation what their numbers are because the data the data is the stuff that you can't fool you know you can't walk away from so if you're looking at some of the dimensions of dni you're looking around disability sexual orientation gender you're looking at the different generations or maybe your, your race or ethnicity if you look at even those five areas they tend to be the areas we've concentrated on sodex so because you can't do everything if you look and look at that and look at the data and then understand what that's telling you that's a great starting point and then you know the next part i'd probably say too is if that's telling you something and then you look at that top table or you look to the board or your senior exec and you've translated nothing you know if you've been doing dni work or doing you know equality for years but it hasn't translated to the top then there's a problem yeah and it's then saying well what am i going to personally do to make for that difference so you then you need to whether it's positively um, do some actions, you know, make sure the slate is right, whatever it is. But that's where you need to put actions that translate into difference at that top table. So you need to say, well, two years, I want to see a difference in the makeup of this group or whatever, because if it's the same old, same old, we'll have the same conversations. Yeah. And um, Margot, because of, we've got you on and you, I just want to add another question in. Sure. Uh, on your experience, because... One thing that, um, like you said, like Black Lives Matters has been like an awakening on a lot of the diversity, really serious subjects. And there's more people now that are actually really interested in getting involved in the DNI side of things. Mm. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about how you transition from like a, a sort of a chief role in Ireland into working across the group on on DNI? Like, have you got any advice for anyone that's listening that thinks? Do you know what this is? Where this is something that I'm really passionate about, and I want to get into. Well, I think I think you know, and you bring up a really good point. Is I think the mistake one could make is just being passionate about something. You have to be more than passionate. Um, I had been for a long time, 
you know, working with our teams. I'd been in our DNI Council for the UK. I'd led our first women's network. I had, you know, I've been a big involvement in Pride. That doesn't even necessarily give me the qualifications. I'd also been on a number of boards and I've, I suppose, been an activist. And even then, the learning curve has been big, you know, um, and I think the the world is paved with people who have good intentions, but don't turn them into 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 work that makes a difference. So I would just say to people, be careful because you have to be able to deliver. You have to be able to to challenge and uh, the mistake that could be made is passion alone is enough because it's not. Yeah, that's such, that's such good advice to end on, Margot. I can't believe 20 minutes have gone already. <laughs> Um, as ever, I've just learned so much, Margot, um, and I, I thank you for one, your work that you do every day, and two, spending the time to share that with us. Not at all, Matt, and thank you. Great questions, and I enjoyed it, and nice format, and uh, hope Freddie enjoys the minions. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Margot. All Check right. Soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, bye. 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 Bye.